0: Welcome to On The Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Andy Simon. As you know, I'm your host and your guide. And my job is to help you get off the brink. So I go looking for interesting people who are going to do just that. Help you see, feel, and think in new ways so that you can begin to soar again. These have been unusual times. I used to say, if you want to change, have a crisis or create one. I never expected a crisis of this sort, but I also preach, don't waste a crisis, because it's a time where people will let you change, they will blame it on (laughs) unexpected things, and you'll never know where it can take you. So today I have with me George Swisher. Let me tell you about George just a little bit, because we have some very interesting and important conversations about technology and transformation to share with you. George is a former marketing entrepreneur and management consultant. He has a 15-year track record of improving company performance and shifting cultures through effective change management. He currently is a co-founder and CEO of ChangeForce.ai. That's ChangeForce.ai. You should look it up. It's a software platform that helps leaders manage organizational change more precisely by analyzing the sentiment of company objectives in real time. It's really an interesting platform. Remember, I'm a corporate anthropologist and I like to help companies change. The question is, when you begin to change, things aren't all changing at the same time and you're not quite sure if it's moving at all. And sometimes you're moving a battleship with an oar and you're hoping it's moving somewhere. And the technology that George has is very interesting as a way of identifying where it's strong, where it's not. But today we want to talk about culture, technology, and business so we can see what's happening and where we're going. George, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. We are too. Tell the listeners about your own journey because it's a perfect setup for where you are and where we're going. Who is George and what's your journey like?
1: Oh, it's great. It's a great uh, great way to start. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, in In talking today, my hope was to help people understand um, how technology can really help them. so it's it's less about, I think the software, and it's more about where were the pivotal points in my personal path that got me to where I realized that I needed to have technology as a utility to make better decisions or be more effective in the work that I was you know responsible for. And so, Uh, I was actually um, lucky to to be a guest lecturer last night at uh, Columbia. Um, My co-founder, Dr. Nabil Ahmad, uh, teaches a class in organizational strategy, and he had a young uh, group in there last night. And when I got home, I was taking a train home, and it it reminded me of the moment. um, I remember exactly where I was, how old I was, when there was a huge tipping point of where I said, wow, if if technology isn't a part of what I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to succeed at the path. Um, that I want. And, you know, this group was, was really intelligent asked a lot of great questions. And the moment it reminded me on, I was about 19 years old. So I was young. Uh, Luckily I went into workforce young. I was going to school and working at the same time. Uh, So at 19, you can imagine, you know, you're, you're doing all kinds of different things, trying to do studies, try to get a job done. And I was working for one of the um, largest railroad companies in, in the country. And I was sitting there, and I was a part of a team of about 20 people. Um, It was an operational management um, and customer service. Not not the the most innovative departments, usually. um, (laughs) So um, they had hired a tech consultant who came in, and he developed a basic Microsoft Access database with a pretty front end on it um, that pretty much took the team from 20 people to 2 people. And I was lucky enough to be one of the two people (laughs) that got to stay. Um, And what he ended up doing was figuring out a way to make um, managing customer service more efficient um, with less people. And though some people thought it was bad, I thought it was brilliant. And... and that became the moment I was like, wow, this person just came in and what I thought was my job today just completely changed in less than 24 hours <laughs> and it really made him look like a superhero to the company. Now of course the people who lost their jobs, it wasn't great for, but in terms of an organization and the leadership and what they were trying to do, here was this very simple thing that he did that completely change that organization. And then this was a, a very you know billion dollar company, right? This is a, this is a was a big, a big deal. And um, it's when I realized that I needed to have a superpower like that. If I was going to be able to go from a supervisor, which I was at the time a young supervisor, to manager, to director, to executive to leadership, uh, and eventually where I'm today, if I didn't have that kind of utility belt where I can just bolt on different pieces of technology to be my superpowers that I was going to have to go at a much slower pace than I was willing to do. Um, and, and that, that just became that time where it was, it was scary because I think we didn't, I just watched 18 people lose their job because of technology. So I was a little bit fearful of it. Um, but I was very intrigued by it that if I can use it the right way, that it was going to help me beat out other people. Right. Cause that's what I was at that age. That's what I was looking to do is build a career. Right. Um, and so, you know, fast forward about five years, I ended up, um, moving up into that company, um, by using that strategy. So I actually dropped out of school, um, and decided to spend that same time discovering different technologies. And what could I not do physically that some type of software or technology could help me either, you know, one gain information that i didn't have readily available to me and that could be in many different ways or to make something more efficient and if it can make it more efficient it has that ripple effect of scale you know speed cost efficiency and savings and i knew if i could do that that i could beat out a lot of other people who may have more formalized education and so Um, You know, five years later, I was running about a $50 million business unit at the age of 24, which is crazy to me at times. Um, And that was almost 20 years ago um, because I had beat out candidates um, who had MBAs, who had more work experience, but really couldn't understand how to create that speed and scale and cost effectiveness that I was able to do. And that's how I got into that position. And so it last night just reminded me of how many leaders don't didn't get the luxury that I had to figure that out as they've been moving through their career. And what's always funny when when we um, have these conversations is a lot of times people ask so many questions about the physical technology, like are you building it? You know, are you building artificial intelligence? What is machine learning? They, they get so into the the details which happened last night with these these young leaders, and my advice to them was: um, it's not about learning how to be an engineer. It's more of understanding what can't you do today, and is there some type of technology that can help you do that better, faster, more informed? If you can do that, you'll win the battle, right? If you go too hole too down into the hole, um, you get lost into the engineering world, which you don't want to, right? Um, And so, you know, I think that that time frame was really the the moment where I just never looked back, you know, everything that I did, every career decision I made, um, hinged on the fact that I could constantly explore. And eventually I got into building our own technologies if we couldn't find them. So if there wasn't something out there and we knew that we could you know, have efficiency, I ended up becoming an entrepreneur at 25 um, and built, you know, a service organization um, in consulting that, you know, had technology enable its services where we progressed really quickly. Um, And that was the first time I had sold a company at the age of 30. Um, and And I, so I always come back to what enabled me to do all that was the fact that I was, constantly trying to find ways that to have superpowers beyond what I was able to do in a human capacity. And it, it ended up being some form of technology that did it. And, and that's ask, why I feel like it's important to listeners.
0: Let me ask you a question yeah. as if I'm your audience asking you the question. We're, we're, let's assume that we are like your Columbia students last night. Yeah. What would be three things that are important for the listeners let's assume they're on the brink and they too want to soar, what is it they should look at? What should they see? How should it feel? What are we thinking about here? Because you made an important point. It's not about being an engineer. It's not about the details of AI or machine learning or robots. It's a bigger picture that you're preaching, if I hear you, which is that society is going through a great transformation it's almost as big as the introduction of farming or fire or the transformation. Right. And this isn't little, it's, it's a steam engine It's transformational. Um, But if I, if my audience is like your students, um, some of your observations would be very helpful to share your thoughts.
1: Yeah. You know, so I'll try to to do three. Let's see. So, no one would be understanding what information can you not get your hands on today? Mm-hmm. You know, in in, in in I always love this idea of um, this concept of, and there's a company that's called What If, and they've done a, a great idea of just to sit in a room and go, what if I could gain access to this information and whatever that is, right? Yep. Information we hear now is data or big data. Just get rid of the, the words, right? Just think about information. If you could figure out what information would inform you to make better decisions. So it doesn't matter which role you're in. If I can get information that I don't currently have, it's going to enable me to actually make a smarter decision, whether I'm a frontline employee, a manager, director, executive, entrepreneur, doesn't matter. So I think number one, it was to focus on that. Is what information do you need that you currently can't get today? And then try to find where you can get that. And the, re- the reality is there most likely is some way to get that. You, you don't always have to build it, but there is some way that you most likely can put two softwares together. That's where you work with your engineers and go, hey, take these two things and put them together and give me the output because that output is going to allow me to make a decision that's going to scale what I'm doing, do it faster, save money. right? So I think that's, that's that, that one piece is, is finding information. You know, two is kind of the next step to that, which is, you know, is there a way that I can be more efficient in what we are trying to do? So if I am a, you know, a leader in an organization, you know, I have one departmental kind of view and then I understand what the company objectives are. Right. And how do I kind of ladder up to that? Most of the people organization don't know how that works. Right. Um, So, but the, there's user limitations and where you can have efficiencies. And I think efficiency is such a great, um, powerful tool if you can figure out a way to get things done faster, um, more cost-effectively, you know, at a larger um, reach <coughs> and you can have a greater impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where you can turn information into a viable use. And so no matter what role you're in, if you can take those two things and apply it before you make your decision and go, is there information that I don't have access to? Can I get it? And then where's the efficiency in what I'm trying to do? Are there things out there that can help me do it more efficient? Cause then when you make your decision, you'll invest time, money, money and resources behind those two things, right? Getting more information that makes me make better decisions being more efficient in the way we're trying to do it, which has a greater impact, right? I think the third part is kind of what I was mentioning before and the advice that I did give through the group last night is, you know, actually at the same company that I had that, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> technology awakening, um, you know, after that happened, and I stopped, uh, I, I told my uh, general manager at the time, hey, I'm going to leave school. I want to invest more time in, in learning technology. And I said, you know, how is my job affect you and your job and what the company is trying to get done, because I want to make sure that I don't go anywhere. I just watched 18 people be let go and I don't want to be let go. So as, as innocent as that was, um, this was the general manager of a very big business and he said, have a seat. And, you know, I got to learn how my job fit in as one of the cogs of the whole big picture. Yep. So As I continue to make decisions, I once said, how does this contribute to the bigger picture, whether I agree with it or not? I think this is the ego you have to almost put aside, right? How do I fit into that bigger picture? Because I'm trying to fight my way up the ladder, right? So how do I know what that ladder is and where I connect in the dots um, so, I think that's the third advice, uh, third point that I would make is if you can master those three things, yeah. you can become an incredibly effective leader, entrepreneur, decision maker, which is where I personally believe that's where you want to invest your time. You know, there are skills that you need to learn, but if you can master those things, those three things, um, and know that technology fits into two of them, um, you can really. Um, move in the direction you want better and faster.
0: So let me ask you my um, slightly burning question. And and a number of years ago, I taught several times for healthcare strategists, your data is talking to you, can you hear it? Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, the challenge that leaders have um, is understanding what the data is telling them. There's data information and insights. And the challenge was an abundance of data, not necessarily at the time tools to analyze it for them. It wasn't artificial intelligence that was doing a data analytics and telling you what to do as a result. Um, There was just raw stuff. Yep. And and part of that was how do I turn it into the right stories for the right people to listen to so that they could make the right decisions and act in the right way. Think of a healthcare system. The story they had to tell the C-suite was different than the ones they would tell the doctors, which was ones that were going to be different from facilities management or from people who were going to be taking care of patients. They didn't understand that it wasn't one story, much less one pie chart, um, and that the stories that they told affirmed what they already knew, not what the data was telling them. And they only found the data that conformed to that mind story as opposed to transformed it. So I found it was very challenging to help them understand that the data um, was telling them something different from what they believed to be true. You know, the expression, the only truth is just no truth. But you are now opening up a whole, I won't call it a can of worms, but an interesting opportunity for leaders to understand what the data, what the what the technology can provide for the things that you mentioned—scale, faster, and and save money—that's a whole new strategy. So, how do we help them as leaders understand what's up, up, upon them? I bet you were having that conversation with your general manager when you said, "I don't want to leave. What do I have to do?" Yeah. Right. You're smiling at me. Um, So share with your thoughts, share with the listeners, your thoughts about how do they really warm up to this new stuff?
1: Uh, Don't be afraid.
0: Ah, I agree. Be brave, courage. You know,
1: I I think bravery is, is a incredibly powerful emotion that can help you overcome a lot of things. And, um, you know, I think I feel that I was lucky because I was mentored that way to, to, you know, have that bravery and just go at things and take the risk. And, and I think this is not an uncommon theme is, you know, that leads to just being okay with failure. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes, you know, and yes. you know, if you can fail fast and fix it fast and learn from it, you know, again, that speed is the, is the critical part. And, you know, I agree with you in the sense that we are in information overload right? Um, but there are so many different sources of data that people don't necessarily know what to do with that. And it's kind of just thrown at them here. This is what you can have access to. You figure out what to do with it. <laughs> but and, <it's> true. <laughs> and I think if you haven't been trained to look at it, look at data, um, it's difficult. Right. And And I feel like this kind of led me to the current path of you know, as we were doing work similar to yourself um, in the consulting side and um, the m- more I could understand how people were feeling or what was going on specifically related to my objectives, the more informed I would be. And, and so that if you if, if I give like a you know, tangible example think of employee engagement surveys, right? This has a, been a hot button for five, six years, Pulse surveys, all this stuff. It's great, but it is a ton of information. And a lot of times I feel like teams are getting that information. So a manager of a department that came from the HR team and so forth, um, they're having to interpret it yes. and relate it to what they're actually responsible for as the decision maker. This to me is, is the the breaking point that I think that we are, the the can we're opening up, right? Is to say, information is important, but I want information specific to what I'm responsible for. And if I'm in a role that's connected to also what the company is trying to achieve, get rid of the noise and just give me that information. So I can make effective decisions. So in a professional setting, I think that that is where we have gotten to a stage that, you know, let's take the healthcare example uh, that you're, you're talking about. You know, what if something could actually tell you if you had an objective, which was to improve uh, patient care, yep. right? But as broad as that is, which is usually what objectives look like, super, super broad. But if there was a defined, what is considered a good outcome and a bad outcome. So if I'm the leader that's responsible for improving patient care, yep. if I define that improving patient care, a good scenario an outcome would be that um, our patients are so happy when they leave here that they make sure that their family members come back here. As Mm -hmm. as basic as that sounds, right? A bad outcome is uh, people check out of here early and file lawsuits against us because they think that we are not treating them correctly. Let's just say that that's the two ranges we're working within. If I was the person responsible for putting tactics in place. So hiring people, putting new tools in place, better processes and procedures. If I could know how all of the people who affect that decision, so think of the facilities teams, think of the technology teams, think of the doctors, think of the patients, these are data streams. If I could analyze those data streams and say, wow, within this specific hospital versus this other hospital, we're scoring on the negative side of that outcome but in this facility we're scoring on the positive side where would i concentrate my money and my resources and my time to this one right the one that had the sorry i realized we we're on the podcast to the facility that has the negatively reporting information coming back yep this is what technology has advanced us to today that we can actually figure out by looking at different communications. Yes. How relatable that communication is to a specific objective that I'm responsible for. And it can rate that communication and it's closer to the good or the bad outcome. And you can get that instantly.
0: And now a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. That's us, and we're here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways, whether you are an organization that's stuck or stalled or an individual in that organization who's looking to rethink their own life's journey. Simon Associates has designed programs and processes to help you do just that. Our first book, On the Brink, A Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights, told the stories of seven clients who were stuck or stalled and a little anthropology helped them see things through a fresh lens reignite their growth, and soar again. My new book that came out in January 2021 is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. It's all about how 11 women, including myself, were able to see past the hurdles, the glass ceilings, and the brick walls, and become the best that they could be. They heard things like, women aren't lawyers, and women can't lead, and women aren't in geosciences. And they said, of course we are. And they really pushed through and did it with such ease that they want other women to see what's possible? At the end of the book, I provide a bit of a how-to process for you. If you're on the brink of rethinking your own life's journey, it's time to pause, step back, and ask yourself, where am I going? What's my passion and my purpose? And am I there, or can I get there? Send us your emails to info and we'll get right back to you to see how we can help. On andysimon.com are some free chapters for both books. And you can also join our newsletter and our Facebook group, Rethink with Andy Simon. We are bringing together women to help other women do what they can't do by themselves, very often to see what's possible and become the best that they can be. Come join us. And now, back to our podcast. And what I love what you're saying is it isn't about that individual who is attempting to make sense out of the data, turn it into information and make insights out of it. The technology is able to assess the data information and create the insights so that you are wiser because the technology now is your partner in this, not simply... A servant delivering raw stuff that you've got to cook. Am I correct? And what you're, you're
1: saying? correct. You, you have the ability now as a leader to tell the technology what you need, right? Yes. And, and, and that an example of uh, that was like an objective and a good outcome and a bad outcome. If I tell the technology that and to only give me information back contextually related to that, yep. and then tell me what's good and bad, because I already told you what the range was how powerful would that be yeah. in any decision that you were making
0: well uh-huh. it it takes away all of the complexity and uncertainty as long as you trust that the data collected you know the endless agony in healthcare perhaps <laughs> is that the doctors are very fast at discounting the data. Mm-hmm. And, and now the technology has to build the trust that it's great data and not bad data because I've been with too many poor data people who are trying to convince those not, not just the doctors but the leadership that the story that they're crafting is correct not and not and trust me uh, because the uncertainties and unknowns become threatening to people who have very different stories in their mind about what the data ought to look like and what they believe to be true. You are developing you know we talk a little bit about what you've developed because I do think it offers a very powerful since I work with companies that need to change. One of the challenges is how are we changing? and And talk a little bit about your platform because I think change force has enormous power, and people should be aware of it and people should start to think about how to use it. Can you do that? Would that be okay?
1: I can. I, I think you know let's talk about the mission we're trying to do, right? And I, And I think it, it relates back to what we we're just saying, and let's let's use a different topic other than something in healthcare, right? Um, you, 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 your book you wrote about you know women progressing in in the business you know, leadership role. I think is a is a great great kind of topic. Um, you know, our mission is to help leaders be more informed of the sentiment around the objectives they are trying to achieve. Very specific lane, right? Um, and there are all different ways that companies like yours, you know, your, persons like yourself, um, and companies are trying to help build better, change processes of how you get things done. And we just want to be able to inform that process with very meaningful information. And so the way that we have focused that mission is the starting point has been where we can analyze communication platforms such as Slack, Microsoft Teams, employee engagement survey data, Um, emails, things like this, where our software um, using artificial intelligence, natural language processing, is able to contextually understand the messages that are inside of those Slack channels and how relatable they are to the objectives you are trying to achieve. So let's just say that we know that diversity, equity, inclusion is a huge topic inside most organizations now. Let's just say they have one of those objectives around empowering women to be better leaders and in, in availability of being leaders inside the organization. And you define a good outcome and a bad outcome. A good outcome is we are open and have every resource available to empower women to get through the ranks and become a leader in this organization. A bad outcome is we have complete roadblocks, biasness, and all these things are going on, right? Our software can actually analyze all those communication channels contextually map and say, these are the conversations that are related to that specific objective around empowering women to become leaders in the organization, and it will rate it from a score of A to F, just going back to grade school, of where those communications sit. So you have the ability to understand the specific contextual sentiment, not just negative positives. It's hard to kind of figure out what that means, right? But if I know that good has a specific measurable piece and bad has a measurable indicator, and this is sitting in that range, I can understand what that means as the decision maker yep. that in, in, in the way that we've done it is we allow um, our customer to compare that set of information across all different types of, um, indicators, for example, you know locations or um, you know roles within the organization, employee type, um, you know a- almost any type of um, information stored in the human capital management softwares, like the Workdays of the world. Um, you can slice that data and go, okay, well I can see that there's again between this empowering women to be leaders in an organization we're scoring a B over in this region or this department or this tenureness at our company or this age range of our company. And over here, we're scoring an F. Yes. So, so the idea is that we're just trying to land what's going on because you know what we've been able to see now is especially with you know um, the pandemic, is it's forced people to use more digital communications. I mean, some companies are upwards of 90% of their communication that used to be verbal and in-person is now through some form of yep. digital communication. We now can read that communication and just give you some indication of where the barometer is today and then track it over time. So if you make decisions to say, okay, well, this one department is scoring... In the D level um, around this, we need to put some training in place or some new processes or some new people in place. Our software actually does that analysis over a period of time so it can tell you whether it got better or worse. So as you made a decision today, 30 days from now, it can scrub and see if that contextual sentiment got better or worse as you put those changes in place.
0: George, let me ask you. To clarify, just for my sake, way back in Anthro 101, many, many, too many years ago, the professor vividly, I remember him saying, out of context, data do not exist. And what I hear you saying is that we've been able to take through the technology, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of the communication being done, and contextualize it so we understand its meaning and can give you insights into the conversations taking place around diversity, equity, and inclusion using that example. Yep. Am I correct in what I just said? You are correct. And that is powerful because data by itself has no meaning. So now the question is, an individual isn't contextualizing it. Uh, the artificial intelligence is putting it into context. And you're comfortable that it's doing it in a very accurate and insightful fashion. How fascinating.
1: And, and this this came back to um, kind of your, your healthcare example, which is the trust of the data coming in, right? And so from a, a today's state, the biggest advancement that we've seen is the ability for um, natural language processing to start to truly contextualize data, whether it's images, whether it's audio, whether it's text, doesn't matter. Right. And, and that's what we are leaning into. Now that is only as smart as the sources of data it's analyzing. Yeah. And so where it's going in the future is to continually um, build the trust by adding more data um, sources because, for example, within our software, connecting to communications is one kind of viewpoint. But mm-hmm. if we then connect to task management softwares, we connect to glass door reviews, we connect to you know, company social media channels, we connect to performance reviews. So every one of those data points, the great thing about the technology now is it kind of works like our brain. Yes. Where it can cross reference multiple data points to come to the conclusion of what that sentiment score is. So it's almost validating what it believes it thinks from the Slack message against what it read in a task inside yeah. of a, you know, a task software and what it saw inside of, you know, the performance review, right? That, exactly. that to me is where the trust factor will just continually get better of humans realizing that the technology can process information and contextualize it faster and better than we can at some point. Because it can process so much information that we can't.
0: I sometimes get emails that I simply don't understand what they meant. And unless you understand that um, meaning is not simply in the words on the sentence, but the underlying implications, meaning feeling that's there. And so what you're telling me is that by putting together all of these data points, we can, in fact, contextualize the conversations going on and understand them. That is maybe, I will say, very true, very powerful and weird I mean, it's sort of like, I can't, I can't figure out what you just emailed me. I better call and find out if that's what you meant. Um, and I can't tell if you were angry or happy or sad or 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 frustrated um, in the five words or the sentences that you put together. But the AI can do it better than I can. And now that is one powerful system, is it not?
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's that's the f- where the future state is, that it will be able to contextualize it better than we most likely can. We're not there yet, right? And it, But it's getting there and it's advancing quickly. And, you know, part of um, what we do to train, if it's accurate or not, is it can validate the response from a human. So in that same example of the empowering women in leadership and organization, let's say that it's scrubbed you know, all of the Slack or MS team channels you have and it rates it a C. Well, we can actually open it up to let, you know, leaders in the organization agree or disagree with that and score what they believe is and it will train the model to get smarter the next time it tries to analyze another Slack message. Uh So you have this validation that is where we will start to build trust as human beings to where we, we are actually without, sometimes without knowing it, validating AI-driven technologies. The, mo- the biggest example of this is most people have used some kind of support bot before, right? Those support bots, when you, it says, did we answer your question? You say, no, you didn't. And here's what you didn't do. It is actually training the model. Not to do. So that. the next time it contextualizes it, it takes into account what you said.
0: I'm sitting here smiling, which is about out of time, but I'm smiling because it's hard enough for humans to communicate well. <laughs> and, and now we're adding something that might help us do a far better job of communicating well because we'll better understand. And, and then, you know, we all know the situation where I say one thing to you and then I go and type something to someone else. Uh, and and the the complexities of human beings and in an AI world, and it is truly going to be a wonderful future. I was going to ask you what you see coming, but I have a hunch I already know it's coming. In a sentence or two, what's your future prediction, sir? You
1: know, I I feel like um, the future isn't that we're going to be replaced by robots or technology. Mm-hmm. I think that we will become true, almost like superheroes. We're, we're going to be able to attach technology to us that will make us incredibly smart or powerful. And I think that's, that's where this is going to me. Um, And there, there are some people who are trying to physically do that. Um, You know, Elon Musk has got some interesting things going on, whether we morally believe he should be doing it or not, but uh, um, feeding these, these contextual data sources, and things like this directly into our, you know, our bodies and our brains, I think is where it is actually going. Um, it's a bit you
0: know, scary. The co evolution that's happening yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is making us realize that from the time we became meaning makers, I don't know, 50,000 years ago, um, we have been creating uh, the environments in which we live. We're the only species that's completely global, but it's still one species. Are there are 40,000 species of ants. But somehow we keep changing ourselves and our minds and bodies are evolving. And this is going to be a really interesting next phase that we're unsure of, but we've always been unsure of anyhow. And, and now the, <laughs> that the trick is, how do we, like you, stop for a moment and say, we're, what role do I want to play with this? And you can resist. You can get so attached to that shiny object, you won't leave it. But the world is changing. And it would really be cool if you let go and began to lead Forward, because I do think we're going to need some real smart people to help us lead forward, like yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I think that my last uh, point would be: we went through this. You mentioned it earlier. It's kind of like industrial revolution. I mean, think about if you were here 150 years ago um, when we had industrialization for cars. Right, I imagine how afraid people were that it was it was turning going away from horse and buggy into a machine, <laughs> and we're we're no different than that. We just evolve with it. I think that's the fear we all just need to to remember that we constantly have been in this state. This is just a different type of state, and we just need to to be okay with that.
0: Well, and I do think once you get okay with it, it's really quite exciting. And to your point, you know, for four thousand years we rode horses, and then up came this car. And next thing you knew, they were putting barbed wire and throwing rocks at it. They were terrified of this thing called yeah, yeah. car. And now we're getting electric vehicles that are autonomous. Who knows where we're going next? So yeah. welcome to a world of humans. George, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. I'm not going to okay. ask you three things for people to remember. But I am going to ask you how they can reach you if they'd like to know more about what you're doing. Because I think that the whole conversation today are about all the things that we don't want them to forget. And I do think this is a time where the technology the person and the way we live is all through great transformation so you got to pay attention and, and lead on how can they reach you?
1: Um, I think the best way is to reach me um, at George Swisher on LinkedIn or George at changeforce.ai um, those are two best ways to get to me and, and I'm happy to you know continue this conversation with with anyone I think my, my effort is to help just share. What we've learned, um, not to sell a software. So, whatever we can do to help, um, we will, Nabil and I both always have that same kind of educational angle to what we do.
0: Well, you are a perfect guest on our podcast because our job is to get off the brink and help people soar by helping them see, feel, and think in new ways. And to be honest with you, I don't think this, this is an incrementalist time. This is a transformational time. It's not doing a little better in what we used to have. It's about a whole new way of doing things. And I, I'm excited to share your thoughts and to help people realize that they don't have to just get stuck. People keep asking when they're going to go back to what was and they're not. And I can't help them. They're not. It's just not coming back. Uh, but neither are we sure what's coming next. So enjoy the journey. It's a great time to be alive and enjoying a whole new way of seeing things. Thanks again for all okay. of my listeners. Thanks for coming to On the Brink. My job is to help you get off the brink, to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. You can read my books. On the Brink, Fresh Lens to Take Your Business to New Heights is on Amazon, as is Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. To George's point, our job is to help us smash those myths that are holding people back, women in particular, and open up the door because we are transforming the way our society both embraces women or not and then begins to uh, realize that the world is changing so let's all get behind it and move forward um you can reach me at info at andysimon.com and i love your emails people say we're in the top five percent of global podcasts thank you thank you for coming refer me to more people because like george they are great and they bring us great joy thanks george for being here today
1: thank you my pleasure
0: everybody have a great day stay safe bye now